Happy game day, Penguins fans. Last of the late start times for the season as the Penguins will play the San Jose Sharks Tuesday night, Valentine's Day night, 10.30 p.m. start time. So you know this game is going to go late. Start off today's show. I have a full preview for that game and how the Penguins can come out on the right side of things this time um, after they lost to the Sharks a couple weeks ago, 6-4, when it was probably their low point of the season. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, follow the show's Twitter at Elmer's Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So final game of the California road trip tonight for the Penguins. They are one and one on this road trip win over the Ducks and a loss against the Kings. A blowout loss, I should say, to the Kings. And <clears throat> they will be going up against a Sharks team that <clears throat> they have played a little bit better hockey as of late. This is not going to be an easy game, just like it was not just a couple weeks ago. I kind of was joking about it with J.D. Young, the host of Locked On Sharks, saying, you know, they probably should be able to win this one. No, Sharks came into Pittsburgh, outplayed them. Casey Smith not give them that good goaltending. And Penguins, you know, they played with their food and lost. But again, even before that, you know, they took the Carolina Hurricanes to overtime. They probably should have won that game, in my opinion. They come and beat the Penguins just a couple nights after that. coming after, Actually, coming out of the All-Star break, I should say. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa, who have been one of the hottest teams in the league this year. I don't think enough people are talking about Tampa Bay right now, which is kind of concerning. They are still a machine of a team. Um, Nikita Kucherov's unreal. Brandon Point, Steven Stamkos, Brandon Hagel's having a career year. Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman. They are still very much a threat to win the Stanley Cup, and no one's really talking about it. They go down there, they beat them, and over time, after that, they lose to the Panthers, but they also went into Washington and crushed the Capitals on Super Bowl Sunday, four to one. I granted, I understand, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Capitals had a big win over the Boston Bruins on Saturday. You know, that gave the Bruins just their second home regulation loss of the season, somewhere around those numbers. But they, and, you know, so they were tired a little bit. But the fact that the Sharks were able to come into DC, fly across the country, come in and beat them down like that was very impressive. They have been beating some of the top teams in the East. So, you know, their record may not be good, but they've been winning some games. And, you know, the Sharks come into this one. Timo Meyer on their top line. Tomas Hurdle, Nick Benito. Meyer needs no introduction. You know, I would love if the Penguins got him. It's probably a little bit of a long shot right now. I, I, I totally understand that. But, man, wouldn't he be fun in the top six? Jason Zucker slides down. Maybe you still have an asset or two. To go after a new third line center, you don't have to give up your first round pick and a top prospect. You maybe just give up a mid round pick or something like that. He would be a crap ton of fun. He has been their best player this season. He is going to fetch a lot of the trade deadline. I really hope that he does not go to either the Carolina Hurricanes or the New Jersey Devils. That would absolutely stink. Tomas Hurdle, he has also had a strong year. Nick Benino obviously means no introduction for what he did with the Penguins in 2016, 2017. Logan Couture had a massive game against the Penguins just a couple of weeks ago. Remember, five points, two of those 
more goals. Alexander Barbanov, he also had a big game, one goal, two assists. So he's playing on that line. That was the line that really killed the Penguins in that one with Kochar and Barbanov. It's funny, Hurdle was held off the score sheet and Timo Meyer also held off the score sheet. So if the Penguins do well against that top line again, it's just a matter of shutting down that second line of the Sharks. Oscar Lindblom, Nico Stern, Noah Gregor is their third line. Stephen Lawrence, Kevin LeBanc, and then Evgeny Svechnikov for their fourth line. Not too much um, in terms of value in their bottom six, but you know Noah Gregor did score in the last one. Um, honestly, everyone on their second line uh, scored in the last one for the Sharks. So, yeah, a big key for me is really shutting down um, that second line. Defensively, Eric Carlson with Scott Harrington. Carlson has been unreal again this season. Well, I shouldn't, shouldn't say again. He's been unreal throughout his career, but he struggled a little bit these last couple of seasons. But right now, he is back to playing some of the finest hockey of his career. And I'm going to be really curious to see if this player gets dealt um, as we get closer to the trade deadline. We're 17 days away now. Um, if my math is right, yeah, we're 17 days. So obviously, it'd be a big package. I think the Sharks are going to have to retain some money. You know, always have to be on high alert for him. He scored in the last matchup. He is, other than outside of Timo Meyer, he is this team's best player. Um, Moving down the lineup a little bit, Mark Edward Vlasic and Matt Benning. Vlasic, no, he's not that good anymore, but he also had two assists in that game. Uh, Benning also had an assist in the Jacob McDonald and Mario Ferrero. And then goaltending-wise, um, Capo Kakinen and Aaron Dell. James Reimer is day-to-day. I'm, I have to see who is starting for the Sharks um, in this one. If I can go to their Twitter here and see if they have announced a starting goaltender um for this game i don't think they have just yet but last i checked reimer was day-to-day not sure if he's fully um coming back tonight but um we'll have to see you know maybe it's capo kakinen um maybe it's it's probably not gonna be aaron no if 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 reimer is not able to go even though he's day-to-day it's probably going to be capo kakinen if reimer's ready um i would suspect that he will be starting in this one, the Penguins actually um, played Kakin in the last one. The Penguins, he gave up four goals, but he also made some really nice saves in the third period, one of which was on Teddy Bluger, who, no, he cannot buy a goal to save his life right now. Overall this season, the Penguins, they've won 12, uh, 12 over their last 16 games against Western Conference opponents. They are 14-9 and nine versus the West this season. They're also averaging close to four goals per game over the last five games following a game where they were shut out. So that is also... Um, very big. And again, this is this is their final game in the Pacific time zone. The Penguins have also won two of their last three against the Sharks. But in terms of keys for this one, please, for the love of God, shut down that Sharks second line. It absolutely killed them in the last one. Logan Couture, he's still a good player, but you know he's also not what he once was. So Penguins really have to look, uh, look to locking down that line. Do what you did also against Sharks top line of Timo Meyer and Tomas Hartle. If you can keep them off the score seat, you know, you'll have a really good chance of winning. It's crazy that they kept both Hurdle and Meyer off the score sheet last time, and the Sharks still put up six goals. That just goes to show how awful the Penguins were defensively and how bad Casey Smith was as well. Um, some of those goals were not dismissed fault. Penguins' net front coverage was garbage in that game. I mean, you're leaving, you know, this was late in the second first period. Remember, the Penguins go up 2-1 after that, a couple power play goals. And final 10-15 seconds. Eric Carlson... Wide open in front of the net, easy tapping. It's like, how are you allowing Eric Carlson just set up shop right there? You're about to go up two to one into the intermission. 
what are you doing that makes no sense and then even the final goal that it was the one that made it five to four with only a few minutes left after the penguins tied it i think thanks to evgeny malkin another stupid dog man rush situation you want to smith to make that save there but it's also like take better care of the puck the puck management in this one is going to be very crucial i understand the sharks are not that good they're one of the worst teams in the league but they still have a lot of players like evidence in the last matchup that can hurt you so you know you can call this a trap game you know if you want but i call it a game where you have to get two points and you have to play better defensively than you did the last time so you know <clears throat> those are my main points in terms of this one just you know play better in front of your net play better you know stop giving up odd man rushes especially to teams that are bad stop giving up odd man rushes in general and also making sure you're shutting down their top six because i don't think most of their bottom six is going to hurt you and of course limiting eric carlson is big as well so if they can get the two points tonight that's going to be big you know you get the four out of six points on the road trip right ins six out of a possible eight points in your final in your last four games Capitals are not or without Alex Ovechkin, which I send my best wishes to him. He's dealing with a family matter. Some are speculating that it could be his dad that might be potentially passing away soon, which I hope that's not the case. I think his dad's been in poor health. Wishing my best to him is you know for this next week and so. But still, Penguins have a big opportunity in front of them. You got to get the two points. You cannot get swept by the freaking San Jose Sharks when they are checks notes seventeen and twenty six and eleven um, this season. This is a very very, 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 very bad team. They're legitimately tanking. So you you have to win this game. But fi- figured I would preview that um, to start off the show today. Coming up in the second segment, a little buyer's beware at the deadline potentially. I like our Ivan Barbashev from the St. Louis Blues, but I'm going to tell you why. It could be maybe a little wise to look at someone else, even though I like him, just because, you know, did some little more digging on the underlying numbers, you know, could, you know, could, how do I want to phrase this? Just is there more to it that meets the eye when it comes to his production? I'm going to tell you all about that coming up in the second segment here. But before we get to that, let's get into FanDuel. The midway, the midway point of the NBA season is here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat first bet for up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance at your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA and locked on all right i'm back here on this episode of the locked on penguins podcast i am your host hunter hodes want to follow me on twitter at hunter hodes all the shows twitter at elmore penguins and of course thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day let's jump right into this one so you know a lot of rumors swirling this morning about ivan barbashev of the st louis blues i'm going to get into who is the starting goaltender for this game against sharks um right before we get to our final segment but um, this came from Kevin Weeks of ESPN. He says he's drawing plenty of interest from multiple clubs. The return could be a first or second round pick plus a prospect. His salary is affordable to suitors. The Blues could retain some to sweeten offers and the return. So um, I would probably not give up my the first round pick to get him. I would probably do a second rounder plus a prospect. But 
again, as I teased coming into this segment, there is a little bit of a buyer's beware with this. And what I mean by that is go look and see how he played um, last season. 26 goals, what, 60 points, right? You're probably thinking, oh, yeah, so freaking good. But you dig a little bit deeper, look at the shooting percentage, 23%. This season, in 52 games, I know the Blues are a bit of a worse team. The Blues were a playoff team last year, but right now they're not. Nine goals, 24 points in 52 games. So very respectable, half a point per game player, that's fine. But definitely not, you know, like the point M5.8 uh, per game player that we saw last season. And look at his shooting percentages throughout his career. When he became a full-time NHLer, and that started, I would say 2018-19, that was his first full season. He shot 23%. After that, 15%, 11%, 23% last season, then right now, 11.4%. He is a career 17.8% shooter. A couple seasons, he has shot 23%. But in terms of last season, 26 goals in 60 games, guys, this is a player who's never been above 14 goals for his career. You dig a little bit even deeper. You go to evolvinghockey.com. You go look at his uh, goals of rubber placement, expected goals of rubber placement models. Um, <clears throat> the Evolving Wild Twins do an amazing job. Overall, he ranks in the 39th percentile. Offense, 70th percentile. Defensive, uh, though, 4th percentile. That's not good enough especially when it comes to a bottom six role. He is a playmaker, which would help the bottom six, but is that enough where in terms of his defensive play, it's just non-existent. That's my worry when it comes to that. Plus he shot 23% last season. It's gone all the way down to 11%. You know, is this going to be a player where his scoring completely dries up when it comes to the Penguins? I just, I have a little bit of reservations when it comes to that. Again, I think the fit does make sense. If the Penguins were to get Barbashev, I would hope that that's not the only move that they make to do, uh, that they make, excuse me, to fix the third line. Because I don't think Barbashev is the answer to your third line center problems, especially when he ranks in the fourth percentile among all players with his defensive impact, right? That's just terrible, obviously. But I would look to get him for maybe a second and a prospect and then maybe keep the first rounder and some other pieces where you can you know, go out and get your third line center and just really remake the third line when it comes to that. You know, Maybe you're trading a roster player in that deal to make the money work. The other team's retaining some money as well. But I think if you can remake two-thirds of the third line going into really the home stretch of the season, that would be massive for this team. It really would be. Um, I don't think you can sit here and say one move for the third line is really going to just make an improve out of nowhere. Um, even if you get a third line center, Carter is still moving a wing. <clears throat> you have that problem. And then you probably have another winger on there like Brock McGinn um, or one of Brock McGinn and Chris Barry Cabin or something like that. That's just one move is not going to do it. I think you have to do two moves to that line. I just, again, do the Penguins have enough assets to do that? So, yeah, in terms of Barbashev, would not be giving up my first. I would still do it. But again, I would have a little bit of caution when it comes to that just because he shot at a very high sh- a percentage last season. It's come down a bit this season. Maybe playing with better line mates would help, but also really would it because he'd be playing with Jeff Carter, who Mike Sullivan is not going to take out of this lineup. The bigger question with Carter will be, what happens to him over the summer? That's, I think, the bigger question. Can they get something for him then? Because he's not going to come out of the lineup. 
It seems for I know I know all of you want him out of the lineup. I have said that as well. I don't think it's going to happen with how it's been going right now. But um, <clears throat> again, Barbashev would not pick him to be the third line center. I would rather have him be um, a winger. That's for sure. I saw a comparison out there that um, he's Brandon Sutter. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he's Brandon Sutter. I think he's a better, a bit better offensively um, <clears throat> than Sutter, but he's definitely a bit worse than he was defensively when he was here. So that's really my take when it comes to Barbashev. If you're a better target from the Blues, aside of Barbashev, Ryan O'Reilly, he would be a lot of fun. I've touched on him specifically on my show before about a week or two ago. If you can get the Blues to eat the cap on that, man, he, he is still good defensively. He can still put the puck in the back of the net this year. 11 goals, 17 points in 38 games. That's coming off a 21-goal 58-point uh, season from last year. Shot 12.5% last season. He's shooting 14.5% <clears throat> this season. He also finished fourth in the Selkie voting last year. He's finished top five in the Selkie every single year uh, for the last four seasons. Um, I know he's 32, so some people will be a little annoyed by that. He makes a lot of sense in this team's third-line center. I would be paying up a good chunk of assets to be going and getting Ryan O'Reilly. He would make this team a lot better defensively, and he can put the puck in the back of the net. And he's also a solid, solid, solid playmaker. You know, maybe they can shoot a deal for both of them, but also that's double the assets, and I don't really know the Penguins have the full <clears throat> arsenal of assets. You know, I don't think they can pull off what they did when they got Nick Bukes out and Jared McCann, remember, <clears throat> um, from the, <clears throat> you know, just from, from, from a few years ago where they got both of them um, in a deal. So... No, that's that was obviously from the Florida, uh, the Florida Panthers at that time. I, I almost blamed on which team that was because McCann, I think, played for Vancouver. Then I was remembering, I was like, wait, Nick Beach that was never on the Canucks. So, no, that was from the Panthers. Um, again, don't know if the Penguins have the assets to pull both off, but you know, O'Reilly would be a, a crap ton of fun for that third line. And then if you pull that off and you're able to get a winger for that line, maybe it's Barbashev, maybe it's someone else, someone that comes cheaper, you know, <clears throat> then I think the Penguins are really cooking with gas when it comes to that third line. But again, that's the single biggest area of focus for me going into the trade deadline is fixing the third line. You cannot go into <clears throat> the home stretch of the season with the third line you have right now. It is total freaking crap. I feel like I'm on repeat mode. It's bad. <clears throat> You're not getting any production from anyone. I don't care that Jeff Carter and Kasperi Captain scored against the Ducks. Blind squirrel finds nut. Rock McGinn hasn't scored, I think, in six weeks now. Hasn't seen a shadow since then, basically, too. So those are my thoughts on the latest on Barbashev and then a potential um, <clears throat> you know, suitor for Ryan O'Reilly. The Penguins want to go down that road. Coming up to end the show, who is starting in goal tonight for the Penguins? I'm going to have your answer right around the corner here. And we're going to dig into Josh Yoey's article for The Athletic and um, who he's hearing about some tradable assets for the Penguins going into the trade deadline. But before we get to that... Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I start taking athletic greens because I didn't have time in the morning to work out. I still wanted butt health, better health, better gut health, excuse me. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. The special vitamin ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. It costs you less than $3 a day to do this. 
Investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's also lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it also contains less than one gram of sugar, and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews on Google. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. <clears throat> Excuse me. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So uh, Mike Sullivan announced who the Penguins starting goaltender was for this game against the Sharks. And drum roll, please. Casey DeSmith. I know it's not the goaltender that a lot of you probably would want to start this game, but they have deemed that Tristan Jari is not ready to start. I think all this means is that he's going to get an extra practice day or two. They're going to fly back from California. I would assume tomorrow, maybe they practice, maybe they don't definitely have another full practice on Thursday. Would assume um, he would start one of the two games this weekend against the Islanders or the Devils. You can start him against either one. Maybe you start him against the Islanders, try to get the two points there. Then you put to Smith in against Devils. But, you know, I think they're just being really cautious, especially after what Frank Saravalli reported on Monday, where he said that he has a chronic hip issue that's kind of causing some of these injuries. I think they just want to make sure that he is 110% healthy. It's fine. You can you can win a game against the Sharks with Casey DeSmith in net. You just beat the Ducks with him in net. I know they lost with, um, against the Sharks with DeSmith in net the last time, and he didn't play that well. But you know, he's had a he's had a couple of days off here. Hopefully, he can have a good start. So. Um, that's why you probably didn't see Dustin Dokarski sent down and Jari Active from injured reserve. It was on ice on the morning skate, but they have deemed him not ready to play. Again, I'm sure he'll be ready to go by this weekend, but that's the latest I have for you all when it comes to Tristan Jari. Now, Josh Yoey dropped his article on the athletic today when it comes to um, the players who are most um, likely to be traded um, at the deadline. It's his annual one, his most likely to be traded list. Obviously, the untouchables are the core players. He also includes Brian Rust and uh, Ricard Raquel. Wildly unlikely, he has Jeff Carter, Marcus Pedersen, Jeff Petrie, Brian Dumoulin, all that stuff. And then if you scroll down a little bit to the hockey trade division, so he actually does have Jan Ruder there. He has a great explanation. You know, he's perfectly serviceable and not to blame Rudolf Freeman, but did the Penguins really need to sign him? One of that $2.75 million had been better spent on the bottom six forwards. And then he has to crush all of our hearts by saying, imagine what the Penguins could have done with their bottom six if they never signed Ruda and Kapanen. Thinking about that right now, what's 3.2 plus 2.75? Almost 6 million. Imagine what the Penguins, so even if you don't have Jan Ruda in there right now, you have the defense that you have currently, Juman Latang, Patterson Petrie, Joseph and Ruedel, you take Kapanen out there, you would have had six extra million almost to spend. That's what did Nino Niederreiter just get? Four million. Evan Rodriguez, that's two million, basically. <sighs> Imagine what Nino Niederreiter and Evan Rodriguez will be doing in this bottom six right now. Instead of, you know, Brock McGinn, Kasperi Kappen, and Jeff Carver. Because Niederreiter didn't sign for that much. Again, it was right around four million. 
Rodriguez made, makes two in Colorado. Penguins easily could have done that if they had better management um, over the summer. He does include POJ and Ty Smith, but I don't really see any of them getting traded. Then he also does include Teddy Bluger. He says, given his track record as a good fourth line center, I do think teams will be interested in services. The Penguins also have a built some replacement for him with Ryan Paling, who isn't as good defensively as Bluger, but is a bigger, faster, and younger. I, I have liked how Paling has been playing since he's come back. I think he's had a nice burst of speed in multiple games. He's also had a goal. Um, I think just I think his goal came against the Sharks. I should say, um, you know, he's been playing a lot better. Whether it's you know five on five or on the PK, I've really liked him on the fourth line. And Josh is right; he is a built-in fourth line center. I don't really think the Penguins would be missing much if they did include Bulgarity. I think it's honestly, if they do make a trade, I would not be surprised at all um, if he is in there. And then he has the sure why not division. Brock began; he's been invisible for about six weeks now. Um, he has been told that the Penguins will be willing to unload him. And if they do, that's just, you know, if you get the uh, out of under the full contract, that's great. But man, just what a waste of a contract that was because this is only year two of that deal. You still got two more years left at 2.75 million. Jeez. Does include to Smith, but I don't think he's going to get traded. He said Danton Heinen, he's available if the Penguins want to uh, trade him. We'll have to see. Maybe the team thinks they can squeak some more value out of him, but um, I think he could potentially stay. He has a blockbuster division in terms of Jake Gensel, but let's be real here. Jake Gensel is not getting traded. You can stamp my authority on that one. And then the final one he has here outside of the draft pick division, the most likely to be traded, he has Kasperi Kapanen. And he writes, you know, it's not working out. This is the player who they would prefer to trade. The Penguin, the contract they gave him was just ridiculous. If they were to float a high draft pick or a prospect for a significant player, the team making the deal with the Penguins would probably be asked to take on Kapanen. He even says he has talent. Unfortunately, he also has a track record for being inconsistent and has another deal left on the deal. He says, if the Penguins want to make themselves better at the deadline, this is the most likely player to depart. Again, are, you, are any of you surprised by this with Josh's reporting? No. I'm not. It was a ridiculous move by Hextall to sign him over the summer. I had some people come on my, you know, on the YouTube page and DM me saying, like, I think he's going to surprise you. And I said, okay, you know, rather be proven wrong. I don't think I have so far, to say the least. He's just a maddeningly inconsistent player. You know, I think you'd be a great fit on another team. And, you know, that would be great to clear off that full 3.2 million cap hit off the payroll going into next season for the rest of this season. Um, it's just not working out. I know, you know, he thinks the role of Pittsburgh captain that is, you know, he's gotten emotional numerous times when it comes to this team and what it means for him to play here, but it's just not working out. And, you know, I would not be surprised. I, you know, I, it would not shock me at all. Heck, I, I would even say it's probably likely that he's traded um, if the Penguins do make a trade. Brock McGinn, I think you can throw in there as well. Teddy Bluger, you know, your first round pick, your second round pick, um, you know, he probably doesn't want to move the first round pick, Ron Hextall, that is. But Josh has also just reported, I don't think it's out of play at all. He said, not if the Penguins are playing better in the next few weeks and not if a player is available to them that could turn them into a true contender, like a Timo Miner, like a Ryan O'Reilly, something like that. So that's all from Josh's reporting from this morning when the, with the deadline 17 days away. It's going to be a lot of fun here. I'm really excited to see um, what this team does, if anything, two and a half weeks. Um, they have a lot of very important games here coming up. Has to start tonight with a win against a lowly Sharks team. I remember, 
I said coming into this road trip after they beat Colorado and they probably should not have won that game. I said four out of six points minimum. You have to beat at least two of those bad teams. You lost to the Kings. That's whatever. The Kings just blew out the Sabres um, on Monday night. They're playing very good hockey right now. But if you can beat the Ducks and the Sharks, two teams who you are expected to beat, going into that game on against Long Island on Friday, you know, the Penguins will be in pretty good shape with a six out of a possible eight points um, in this last week of play. So again, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll have another episode for you all on Wednesday as we will fully recap that game against the Sharks, 10.30 p.m. start time. Hopefully, a lot of you will be up to watch it. If not, totally understandable because also, you know, some people get up 6, 7 a.m. on Wednesdays. Very understandable if you don't want to stay up till check notes, 1 to like 1.30 a.m. watching this. I will because I don't start work my, on Wednesday until 11, so I can still get decent sleep. But for those that can't, you know, I totally understand. But again, thank you all so much for listening. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Happy Valentine's Day. Spoil your loved ones with something Pengs related. You'll thank me later.